When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody. This is Gargi, and today I have with me Dr. Andrea Gremmels and Dr. Yerula Wegner. Dr. Gremmels is a researcher and lecturer at the Department of Romance Languages and Literatures at the Goethe University in Frankfurt. Dr. Wegner was teaching at Institute of English and American Studies when this book was published, but now he has recently uh, moved to China. Uh, with Professor Frank uh, Schulze-Engler and Dr. Marin Scheurer. They have edited this volume of uh, called Entanglements, Envisioning World Literatures from the Global South, published by EBD Dem Press this year. Uh, as I said, I'd like to start uh, with the genesis of this book. How did this book come to be? What were your some initial ideas? Yeah, maybe I can start, Yarula. I don't know. Um, actually, the 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 uh, this book has uh, quite a long history, um, and um, it it goes back to a conference that uh, Frank Schulze Engler has organized in 2016 on on the same um, topic, and actually um, he. Um, Abdul Razak Gurna was uh, our guest at, at, at this conference. And then um, uh, we, we kept like uh, having this idea in mind um, to, uh, to um, continue the discussion and, and turn some ideas we discussed during the conference um, that are also very relevant um, uh, in the discussion on world literature into a book. And it wasn't, I, I must say, I think it was not until a considerable time later that like this, this book uh, be, became to take um, a more concrete shape. Um, so, so this is also why, why, why the history is uh, quite long. And it was actually so nice that the very like, um, I mean, the, the moment we, we were finishing the book, like the year when Abdul Razak uh, Gurna um, was uh, receiving the Nobel Prize of Literature. So this made us very happy. <laughs> Garula, I don't know if you want to add something. Yeah, I, I remember some of the prehistory before the conference, actually. It's the um, idea related to the um, Afraso project that Frank did on African-Asian connections through the Afrasian Ocean, which is often called the Indian Ocean. And we were in the colloquium reading a text by Mukoma Ngugi, which spoke about 
African-Indian connections and the necessity to reorient our views in literary connections towards um, such South-South connections. And that inspired a discussion in our colloquium where we try to find something similar in discussions regarding world literature. And we, we couldn't find something similar in this regard. And, and that really gave then uh, developed a, a, a discussion that really went over semesters and, and then went into that conference that was basically the climax of the, that discussion regarding world literature. And also already during that conference, we had a very strong sense that that is a discussion we need to extend because it is not in such a depth and also in such a width in terms of um, discussed by many people present and therefore we should really try to bring that into a book volume so that was it was a long way in the coming so to say yeah um and i would talk a little about the subtitle of this book which is world literature from the global south why is there this need to consider world literature from the global south anyone of you could could take up yeah you want to yeah okay yeah sure um a lot of the world literature debates are center coming out of europe when comparative literature debates speak about world literature these are often works published in english French and German and maybe some and Spanish and some other languages. But that is a very narrow focus. And that was then shifted towards um, a discussion of looking beyond that, beyond the kind of very Eurocentric focus, but then still often catered towards the idea that, well, works may be great and come from different regions, but they still somehow have to get through these centers, Paris being one of these renowned centers through Europe. And uh, that was also dissatisfying in the sense that Europe still somehow figured as that kind of um, evaluating and crowning point of, of great literature. And that is, was also something we wanted to push against in our readings and in our discussions. And then, um, yeah, we, 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 we thought, how can we, we need to move away from these without starting out in a negative way. <laughs> that was, I think, a lot of our thinking. And, and, and then to just say, yeah, and, and now Europe. We, we just drop it, we just ignore it. That was also not the point. The point was to find a new starting point. And, and I think that was how the, the subtitle came about. The new starting point being the global south. Yeah, and I, I think for us it was, it was really crucial also to, um, to, to see how um, literatures like uh, inherent in literary texts and um, thinkers of the global south would re-envision the idea of world literature. I mean, it was, of course, we uh, recognized that um, 
the idea, what Yarula just said, the idea of um, Eurocentric concepts of world literature were already, you know, this um, critique had already been done by, by many scholars. I mean, we, we were not the first ones to, 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 to feel the need to overcome Eurocentric uh, concepts of world literature. But at the same time, um, uh, we did feel that that this 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 yeah bilateral model, the binary model of center and periphery, would um, still be very um, dominant in the discussions. I mean, um, and also many European scholars, like our Western scholars, would would uh, would associate the like the idea of world literature still with very normative ideas, such as uh, the canon, the classic, um, which which would uh, at the same time again be a very yeah Western point of view on 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 world uh, literature and. Um, and the impulses that we and many of of, of our uh, 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 authors of, of the chapters um, also discussed that we felt like um, the impulses that came from literatures and um, thinkers of the global south would move much beyond this idea of of um, center and periphery of. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I would come to in detail about the center and the periphery debate, uh, which is in your book. But uh, just to clarify uh, for the listeners, do you see a difference between what you call world literature from the global south and post-colonial literature as you know it, it is understood generally? Do you make a dif- distinction between these two or do you think mm-hmm. uh, they run parallelly together? Um, Yagule, do you want to start or shall I say something? Sure, sure. Um, I think it's if we historicize the debate, then post-colonial, the time of post-colonialism is really after decolonization in the 1960s, in the 70s and 80s, post-colonialism started. And that was the idea that after decolonization, the ideologies in the formerly colonized world did not sufficiently change, and that these kind of ideas and cultures still had to change. And um, But that debate of the post-colonialism still focused very much on Europe as a center and against that center and criticizing that center. And that I think be, that is why in the end of the 1990s then there was a great um, concern with where the post-colonialism debate would go to because as critics earlier already stated, that kind of post-colonial de- critique of appropriation and abrogation, for instance, always considered implicitly Europe as the center, and that's what we write against. But many of these post-colonial states moved on. They had new problems to face, new discussions to talk about, and and new directions. And one of these, one of the ways in which new directions, and also very old directions, old directions that preceded colonization and could resurface was, for instance, through South-South discussions. But these discussions became visible when that kind of 
old colonial center that needed to be attacked and criticized. Of course, um, rightfully so, but, but only when the turn away from that happened, then these old connections came to the fore. And, and that is why we thought that was an important difference to move on because, of course, the critique of the colonial center at the same time always reconstructs the colonial center. Maybe, may I add to that? I mean, um, uh, there's, like, there's this um, interesting debate which was actually um, introduced by, by, by Robert uh, Young, who, who kind of came up with this um, opposition between world literature and post-colonial literature, saying, Post-colonial literature cannot be world literature because it is not concerned with um, aesthetic questions, but only with political questions. And, um, and world literature is this universal aesthetic uh, canon of uh, timeless classics. So, so this is so such an opposition. Um, we cannot um, think uh, get this together. And this is, of course, something scholars have been uh, criticized. And, and 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 we also, of course, in our introduction, um, uh, because it's a totally false opposition, of course. And then there's um, um, uh, ex uh, what, like many, what could you say, like um, aspects of post-colonial literature, um, like um, as we could say, um, hybridity, diasporas. Um, migrations um, and also for us a very important concept and uh, I mean this is also like a, uh, our uh, Frankfurt uh, school maybe as we could say it um, uh, is the, the 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 aspect of transculturality um, which which has become like more important even than uh, like an important aspect of the post-colonial also to think about um, hybridity and transculturality and this of course um, and this is also something that Ngugi Vationgo um, emphasizes this moves post-colonial literature very close like movements, diaspora, circulations, very close to Goethe's notion of, of, of world literature. So, so there's not at all um, this kind of opposition. So this is um, something that, that, that we um, also wanted to discuss uh, in, in the book. Yeah. Um, and talking about, I mean, you have, you have touched upon this topic. I mean, uh, if... I still would want to ask you about the title, which is entanglements. How does entanglements as a notion or as a word uh, bring uh, brings us closer to this concept of world literature from the global south as you have? I mean, why why entanglements as as the key word for your book? Mm. I, yeah. Actually, maybe one like leading idea um, for us was was this idea to, which still very often dominates. I've already mentioned that, but often dominates the debates on world literature. That we say that that many many scholars say. Okay, uh, if we think of world literature, we have to think of a set of works. Like let's collect works and then include also authors from all over the world and then as much as we collect as larger is 
the canon of world literature. But what we wanted to look at, and this is exactly what what, what was our idea of entanglements is, is uh, uh, considering world literature as a set of relations of really consider relational re, relationalities um, that doesn't like especially south 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 uh, relations in world literature that are less visible but not um, less characteristic uh, for world literature. Um, uh, but also to see the conflict, also often tensionate and conflictive um, relationalities between global South and global North literature and uh, literary, uh, yeah, or literatures on the move, um, if we want to uh, use Ottmar Ette's concept of. Um, so, so this is um, why we have chosen. Um, also, uh, the idea of entanglements, of really of relationships. I mean, yeah, Yarula probably wants to add to that. Just, I think, one anecdote. Just the way the whole um, discussion came about, as I said before, through very specific readings and discussions in the colloquium, the, the term entanglements also came about because we were trying to find a way how to introduce the conference and, and indivi different individuals were trying to like write up small pieces and, and once we met for a coffee with Frank Schulze Engler, John Karugia was back then there, and, and they were heatedly debating something. They came already debating into the cafe on campus, and we met them there, and, and we then said, yeah, here we have written down something. And, and I read it, and, and, and I saw the word entanglements in the middle there, and, and I said, that's the title, because it's exactly, again, through these kind of small, minute findings that establishes the connections, rather than from the big, large concept of what it is, but rather instead from small findings that establish connections and reveal connections, that was is very much also central to the concept, I believe. And uh, that's also how the concept again mm -hmm. itself came about. That's, I think, a funny, funny anecdote to add. Yeah, and maybe, um, to add to that, uh, just one little um, thought. As we like came up with this idea of entanglements, it, it's also much, very much related, like entanglements from or read through the global south. It's it was also very much related to um, Mukuma's uh, idea of of discovering other ways of knowing and other ways of of relating. As I said, that are that are less less visible, maybe, um, but still um, uh, very very relevant to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one of the debates that we were uh, constantly uh, coming to was the difference between periphery and center, uh, which is, again, to the title of this book, somehow comes back to this difference between the global north and the global south, uh, which is not necessarily the south and, and the north. And uh, what I want to know from you is what role you think this notion of center and periphery should play when we talk about the world literature theoretically. 
Yeah, I mean one one concept that that we really approach very critically is uh, this is Pascal Casanova's idea, um, uh, the uh, World Republic um, of Letters, which is um, actually very much sympathizing with uh, literatures from the global south, but very much maintaining this idea that um, there is a center um, and all literatures from the periphery have to react to the center. They either uh, have to assimilate or adapt literary ideas um, or have to rebel against them in order to um, to be able to compete in this in this field um, of world literature, for her, I mean, she she really Pascal Casanova really looks also at asymmetries and at um, economic um, conditions of uh, literary markets, etc. But um, for us, um, it is. Uh, very problematic uh, concept because it it's, it really maintains the ideas that it's uh, that it's uh, of this binary right of this um, uh, all ideas have to be redirected to 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 the center and um, we wanted to look although I mean we do have to consider asymmetries that's that's for sure, right? We have to problematize them, but then we re rather wanted to look also at um, at networks, at network structures in in and um, and of south south uh, relationalities, and then and not um, maintaining this idea of uh, the West and the rest, uh, one who creates the other, who has to react, uh, but who always comes belated and all these um, uh, these ideas that are inherent in Pascal Casanova's um, theory. Um, so maybe Yarula, you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. Again, I would try to historicize it and say that this kind of center and periphery debate was particularly strong in the discourse of decolonization up to the 1960s and then of post-colonialism in the 70s to 90s. And um, because then the idea was very strong that there are very strong centers. But these kind of global power dynamics, creative dynamics, um, economic dynamics have shifted. Today, we cannot look so easily at very clear centers. There are, and that's why in the introduction, it says we are trying to understand world literature in a multipolar world of globalized modernity, because there are so many new centers. And I think what Andrea Gremus already mentioned, the, the great joy of, of publishing that volume right after Abdul Razak Gurna won the Nobel Prize. Here we have an author who is from Zanzibar. Also, the latest Nobel Prize in literature 
is by an author who comes decidedly and emphatically from lower class background. So these kind of centers are, are much more difficult now to pin down. And the idea of the center and the periphery probably also blurs the actual diversity and, and multipolarity of these exchanges and dynamics. I think many of the chapters in the volume actually highlight that very well. Mm. I mean, we also observed this um, the, the, in the discussions about Abdul Razak Gona's winning of, of the Nobel Prize. We observed that there was also these polarities, um, uh, this this binaries uh, coming up. Like, um, how can this African author? Um, Uh, write in such a European way. I mean, always, you know, um, instead of saying, I mean, Gona is such a good example of someone who 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 really uh, entangles in his literature, right? His his, his um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, however you want to say it. I mean, so, so many different literatures and cultures um, uh, in, his, in his aesthetics, in his literature. And then we, we observed that like critics wanted to, wanted to uh, tear it again into this binary of either he's European and then he, uh, um, uh, uh, and then we accept him or he's African and then he should write in a more African way. Um, And, and they were expecting more exoticism uh, from him, which, which is, yeah, or localism, which, which we thought a bit odd in, 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 in the debates um, on the, and, and there we did feel also the need to, to like, uh, this very much corresponded to, to our need to discuss world literatures from the global south, yeah. yeah. Um, if Dr. Gremmels, I could come to uh, your chapter in the book, uh, because you're here and, and you can talk about this, uh, which is titled Re-Envisioning Surrealism from Argentina and Mexico. Uh, and if I've understood this correctly, uh, you, you claim that surrealism can and should conceive world literature. Uh, if I'm correct, why do you think uh, surrealism should do that? Because uh, to my understanding, it has always become synonymous with the Parisian uh, literary circles in some way. And when when uh, a claim like that is made, aren't we falling back into the center and periphery debate? Would you agree with that? Or do you think I'm on the wrong path? Yeah. Thank you so so much um, for this question because actually this is um, the chap the chapter uh, um, that I have in this book is also stress uh, the the starting point of the chapter. Um, actually, I was reading surrealism um, uh, through two Latin American writers, um, Julio Cortaza and Octavio Paz. Um, who themselves claimed that surrealism was not a specific um, historical uh, movement. Uh, Cortaza even goes as far as saying, um, what we need is a surrealism uh, without a school, um, a surrealism without uh, André Breton, André Breton, who was the leader of the surrealist uh, movement. Um, 
And they both argue that surrealism is an idea of the world or uh, Cortázar says a cosmovision. So, so from there I was asking myself, what does this actually, um, actually mean? And it's, um, it's uh, the, the way um, these two Latin American writers conceive of surrealism as, as um, like an idea of the world or an idea of, of literature also to um, always be very critical with um, norms and specific um, orders and to always uh, a question and um, and maybe even resist against um, these normative concepts of um, world order or, or of, of 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 literature, and um, uh, so so this is why I could bring in um, the discussion of surrealism as Cortaza and Pass were uh, uh, um, uh, writing about them in their in their essays into the debate of um, of world literature uh, conceived not in this unilateral way of um, and then there is surrealism born in Paris and then it would influence this these authors who would either um, assimilate surrealism or rebel against it, um, both Cortázar and Pass do neither one nor the other. They don't assimilate surrealism, nor do they rebel against it, but they just, um, it's a form of, uh, of re-envisioning um, um, surrealism beyond this uh, uh, unilateral uh, center and periphery um, model. So I hope I could explain yeah. that. Well, and maybe just to add, I mean, Maren Scheurer's um, uh, uh, essay in, in, in the collection uh, where she reads um, uh, the idea of the classic with the Kotsia very much goes into, also into this direction, right? Into this direction of, of um, uh, really having like uh, always maintaining this critical perspective on the classic and always re rewriting it, re-envisioning it. Um, so yeah, maybe to add to that. Yeah. Um, since we are at, almost at the end of this podcast, I would uh, want you, I would want to ask you, what do you hope the readers take from, from this book? What do you hope changes in academia or what do you uh, hope happens after this book no one yeah, Gula, do you want to have the first word or <laughs> and if you offer it to me i would take it <laughs> um, i i think what we wanted or what i want this uh, collection of chapters to do is to on the one hand redirect the debates on world literature beyond that kind of focus on, on European centers of world literature, beyond the idea of um, a necessity to go through literary centers like 
Paris or London or New York or what have you, beyond the kind of old imperial bodies and, and borderlines like the Commonwealth, for instance, or nation states, but, but to be open towards finding connections across literatures without having to go through the kind of citadels of, of high literature, but finding inspiring connections that inspire people everywhere in the global south, in the global north, wherever. But um, that these connections become visible because they are there. And I think Andrea also mentioned that already, that, that there are so many connections. They just have to be seen and they have to be recognized. And then they can be also more appreciated, I think, in academic discourse. And I think that is really necessary on the one hand to, to see what is going on in the world, in the creative world of literary writing, but on the other hand, also in the academic world, in terms of understanding what is of value, what is of great value to look at and discuss. So, so these two aspects, I think, would, would be wonderful if that would be further enabled by, by this volume. I don't think that the volume would do that all of that alone, but I think maybe a, a small contribution to that discussion. I would like to add to that maybe, if if we like if we would really make a political claim um i mean maybe there's also an aspect to it to of decolonizing academia right of of saying like we 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 still especially in the debate on world literature we still fall back into ways of thinking that are very very yeah Western centric, if you want to say so, and uh, this is why I just looked up this one, um, and I, I think it's so necessary to just um, uh, throughout um, uh, many disciplines, not only disciplines of post-colonial literature, where it's uh, um, already uh, like many theorists are, are common sense, but to to really take into account um, theories um, uh, from the and perspective from the global south. And I wanted to read this one, um, this one quote from um, uh, Mukumava Ngugi, where, where he says um, that um, to think about South-to-South -South relations is to enter a place of great intellectual vulnerability once we leave the relationship of, let's say, Africa and Europe via colonialism, the world suddenly becomes very vast, complicated and scary as the knowledge of how just little we know settles in. And I think this is um, one, as really just mentioned, one idea of this volume to just uh, keep on also discovering and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, these new ways of 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 relating and and knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since uh, this book was published early this year, I'm not sure if you're ready to talk about your future projects or what are you working on now? Maybe uh, Dr. Wegner, you could start if you'd like to. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, I can already 
talk about one future project. Um, I, I now started a new position at Zhejiang University at the School of International Studies. And one larger project, which has the preliminary title of Autobiography as Critique, tries to rediscover, so to say, a critical discourse in African diasporic and Caribbean autobiographies from the 18th century until today, in which um, African diasporic people um, write, so to say, against majority societies or in discussion with majority societies about questions of identity, society, and citizenship. And um, that is, in my opinion, also somewhat related to the discussion of entanglements because it, it is about a discourse that is not necessarily, or that is far off the center in many ways, but that also does not ne so necessarily connect to a literary or colonial center, but rather localized debates and, and connections across the Atlantic and so on. Um, debates about um, what makes a good citizen or what makes a person of of, of standing in a society and what leads towards exclusions. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm using many words here to talk about the obvious about enslavement and, and, and racism, of course, against which they were writing. So, so that's, uh, I think, also in, in that sense, in, in some ways related because it's looking at these small connections in, in, in literatures scattered basically across the world in Africa, uh, the Caribbean, the US, England, and so on. So that's uh, my new, one of my new projects at least, yeah. Dr. Gremlins, if you'd like to also share with us. Um, actually, yeah, I, I'm uh, very much at a starting point of, as I've just published um, this, um, this, uh, which was a big <laughs> book project on the world arts of of uh, surrealism, and as a um, uh, Roman uh, studies scholar, um, I I have become uh, interested in um, uh, in female uh, protagonism in. Um, uh, like an anti-slavery um, uh, narratives and also poetry and even like I would like to this is just a very starting starting point um, and I would like to maybe go back um, into more historical uh, readings of texts um, of the 18th and early 19th century um, uh, and and look at um, uh, slave yeah um, abolitionist literature and uh, um, uh, slavery um, 
or anti-slavery claims um, via a female protagonism or female uh, representation of, of, of uh, female figures. So this is just uh, one little um, uh, project that I'm just starting to, to look at. They both sound like wonderful projects. I wish you the best. Uh, and thank you today for taking the time to talk to me. And that's very kind of you. Thank you, Gar uh, Gargi, for the invitation. It was uh, very nice to have this conversation with you.